And so in seminary, we were taught that basically in any gospel met or any preaching in any communication, you really should have, you know, we have scripture. That's just really our final authority. And that's what this church is built on is that Christ is our only way to salvation. And Christ is our final or the scripture is our final authority. And so we take scripture and you should really give somewhat of an explanation about scripture. It should be taught. Scripture being taught and taught in context is crucial because that, if that's our only truth, then we need to know the explanation of what it means in context. But then again, uh, we were also taught you take the explanation, but now you give an illustration because people remember illustrations a lot longer than they remember explanations. And so if I were to mention green balloons, some of you would know what I'm talking about. So we have an explanation, we have an illustration, and then it's up to you to come up with your application. Sometimes I'll have some suggestions. So keep that in mind. If God ever puts you in a spot to teach, think about your explanation, your illustration, and your application with God's word. And uh, so again, God's word is, is the only truth that we have. So this morning, uh, all of this really does go well with where we're at in Romans. So again, this is 2PT. You want the full explanation on these verses as they kick in to the rest of Romans 8? Come next week because, buddy, we're going to go into a lot of... It will not be 2PT next week, all right? I'm just telling you right now. It'll, but today's 2PT, Terry. 2PT, all right? So looking at this in Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 16 through 18. I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to read these. And we started looking at them last week, but I want to just bring them in the context of this. So it says, uh, Paul is telling the Romans, he's telling us through Scripture, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God Himself lives inside of us and bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. So if you know that you're a child of God, it's because the Holy Spirit is bearing witness in there. And, and, and so again, people are like, well, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? If I was driving around in a town and I didn't know where I was going, I would be what? What's the L word? I'd be lost. So if you say, I don't really know if I'm saved. I, I don't know that the Spirit of God is bearing witness that I'm a believer. You check, uh, it's, it's eternity we're talking about. Check it out and say, Holy Spirit, if you live in me, will you please bear witness? God, through your word, will you bear witness? Because if you are saved, you will know you're saved because the Holy Spirit gives you witness of that. The Holy Spirit is God. Again, there's times where sin separates us, and, but not permanently and so on. And we've talked about that. But again, it says, man, if you're a child of God, you know you're a child of God. You know that you know that you know no matter what's going on. And Scripture backs it up as we study more in there. So verse 17 says, and if you are a child, then you're an heir. So you're a child of God, you are an heir, meaning that, that you inherit what God the Father has. And look at what we do in here. We left on this last week. He said, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So again, whatever Christ inherited in, in, in the whole in heaven, whatever Christ has, you are fellow heir. You have inherited that also. Uh, how? How? Let me ask you a question, man. All right. What, what did Christ inherit? Everybody help him out on the count of three. What do you inherit? Everything. Yeah, you're going to say me. Yeah. How? Everything. Christ inherited everything. Amen. And so whatever Christ inherited, you inherit. And so we don't get that fully until we get to heaven. All right. So Christ, because of Christ, he inherited everything and we inherit what Christ has. So this is what we have for eternity. 
forever. We have everything that you could ever desire. That's for eternity. How many of y'all think you can make it through the next few moments of life knowing that you have everything forever? You know, there's nothing in this world that compares to what we have in that. And so he goes on and he says, this is how you guys know that you're children of God. This is how you know that you're an heir to all of this. And he starts bringing up this word suffering. Why this goes in, because probably some of you today, we're looking at this thing and hating going, why would God allow people to suffer like that? Why would God bring suffering into my life? Why would he bring suffering into this life? Why would he have them be the poorest world, you know, uh, country in, in the whole Western Hemisphere? Why do people suffer like that? And if your thought is, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? I want to erase that right now. There was only one person that was a good person that had bad things happen to him. And his name was what? Jesus, none of y'all are good. We've already been through that in Romans. Y'all are scumbags. You deserve hell. I'm just saying. That's me too. That's where we're at. And that's why the grace of God is so powerful that out of His goodness, man, He picked us, man. He picked us. He chose us. He gave us the desire and ability to surrender our life to Him. And we have eternal life. And Terry, if you got you had eternal life, there ain't nothing you can do about it. You didn't do anything to get it, and you can't do anything to lose it, man. Isn't that great? It's all because of Him, and we have that. And so here's what he says. He said, if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. Oh, and here's the part we kind of touched on, but not really, and we're going to hit pretty hard in the next few weeks because he, he talks about all the places that are suffering. He says, uh, he said, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So what that really kind of means, and we're going to go into a lot more detail, is that if you follow Christ, you're going to what? You're going to suffer. I, I can, you read the New Testament, people who take suffering out of their theology... They, it's wrong. It's straight out of the pit of hell. And that is where modern theology is going. If you act like Christ, you are going to suffer. He tells us, Paul tells us in all his books, Peter tells us, Christ tells us, everybody who lives godly is going to be persecuted. In other words, why did they kill Christ? Because he lived like who? Like Christ, right? He lived like God and brought conviction and they had to get rid of him. And every single person who lives like Christ will suffer. All right. And so we again, we've talked about it before. We live in a Chick-fil-A fish, fish world. How many of y'all want to catch fish that's, that tastes like chicken? Scott, isn't that what everybody wants to catch? Now, how many of y'all want a nice oily mullet, dude? Three-day-old mullet, man. Fry that bad boy up in the frying pan with some bacon grease, right? Isn't that what everybody's looking for? No, you're looking for pompano and flounder. Flounder ain't got a... You know how you stuff it with shrimp? So it has flavor. I'm just saying. It's like... but the, Now, snook's a different story. But anyways, we live in a world that even wants their fish to taste like chicken and smell like chicken. We don't like fish. Whoa! And we've used this illustration before. And Christ is the ultimate fish. So if you live in a Chick-fil-A world that only likes chicken tenders, and that's all, and all of a sudden you come in smelling like a fish, what do you think, Abby? Man, everybody's like, oh, Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A. And you come in smelling like a mullet, what do you think they're going to do to you? 
You stink, girl. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? And, and that's us. We live in a Chick-fil-A chicken nugget world that does not like fish. But the more we become like Christ, the more we are a fish. And you understand that. And so the world's like, whoo, you stink. And guess what? Some of Christianity says, well, we're going to back off and smell. We're going to make our religion, our Christianity, a little more like a little more like chicken nuggets. You know, we're going to make it a little, we're going to take some of the flavor out of it. We're going to take some, no, Christ was full on fish, bro. And the world who like Chick-fil-A came after him and they crucified him. So if the more you live like Christ, the more persecution there will be. And the ones who are going to like you, the ones who are going to love you, the ones who are going to want to be like you are the ones that want to be like Christ. Amen? They're the ones that they've tried the whole Chick-fil-A thing. Found out there ain't no nutrients in it, man. They need some fish oil. I'm just saying. It's like they come in and they're like, dude, we need some nutrition to make it through this world. And, and they come in and say, I surrender my life to Christ. And you're like, you know you're going to smell like fish, right? I don't care, man. I need something to, because this fake processed world that I live in is garbage and it's making me sick. And it's not going to get me anywhere for eternity. And so they give their life to Christ. But man, don't try to make that fish smell like chicken. I'm just saying what we're supposed to be doing as believers is we're supposed to be smelling more and more and more like Christ. But understand the world hates the smell of fish. In that. So he says, he goes on and says, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided that we suffer with him. So it's not a matter of suffering with him. That's not really, that's not, that's just going to be a byproduct. Why are we going to, hey, Mike and Wendy, it's good to have y'all from Michigan. I see them every Monday night on Bible study. It's so awesome. Why, why are we going to suffer? Because we're like Christ. Yeah. So, so again, it's not like, okay, so we, may, so we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So the more, so how many of y'all love persecution? How many are like, give it to me? How many of y'all prayed for that this morning? Andrew, did you pray for it? You say, oh Lord, bring on the persecution. We got some storms coming through. Man, tornado my house. Oh, that was Scott. Sorry about it. Yeah, maybe I'm just saying, but yeah, no, we don't want that stuff. But that's where the glory comes. Why do you get glory when you get persecuted? Because you acted like it took some guts to act like Christ in this world. How many of y'all agree with that? How many of y'all tell you know, Moses to step up and do the right thing? He lost a prestigious job. Some of y'all ain't willing to do that. Sometimes I'm not willing to do that. So when you act like Christ, man, the world doesn't like it. But who loves it when you act like Christ? Who are you a sweet... Who loves the smell of fish better than anyone? Who loves the smell? God! God Almighty loves it. And, and in fact, even 2 Corinthians again, he says that, man, when you share the gospel with somebody, when you do what God wants you to do, whether they accept it or reject it, it is a sweet savor to God Almighty. He loves the smell of fish. And when I'm talking about fish, I'm saying Christ. When you act like Christ, but the world hates it. So he goes on and says, providing we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Who's going to glorify us? God. Why? Because you had the guts to smell like fish in this Chick-fil-A world. That's why. And so in this, I got an illustration. I wasn't even going to use a fish thing, man. That just came up. Here's my illustration right here. So uh, uh, in this, Christ, oh, oh, let me have the next verse real quick. Is there another? Oh, yeah, no. All right, go back, JJ. I'm sorry. There we go. 
Here's my illustration, and then I'm going to drive it home real quick. Christ is like a great cup of coffee. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is what God gave me. Just last night I was going to bed, he's like, Christ is like a great cup of coffee. And I did a whole message on this years ago. I bet Bill Cooper has the notes in his phone on it, don't you? I had, remember when I roasted coffee, and I may bring it in next week and do all of that. But today, it, lack of time, I got this right here. This is what he gave me. Christ is like a great cup of coffee. How many of y'all like a great cup of coffee, man? Smell a great cup of coffee, man. And sometimes you don't even like coffee. You smell it like, oh, I want some coffee. Christ is like a great cup of coffee. And that coffee needs to be given to the world. That's it. Our life is to start as what I've got in here is, um, and this probably came from last time. I got a bunch of green coffee beans. Y'all ever seen green coffee beans? Yeah. So, Scott, you want to take these coffee beans and you want to put them, you want to chew on some of these green coffee beans? Anybody here want to chew on some green coffee beans? Why? What would the green coffee... How many of y'all ever had espresso beans covered in dark chocolate or something like that? How many of y'all want to chew on some of those? Yeah, man. But these are green, fresh. Man, green coffee beans. What, what good are they? Do they... But, man, do these things even smell like coffee? I don't know. I haven't opened this bag in three years. What does it smell like? <laughs> Woo! They don't smell like coffee. And if you tasted one, they don't even taste like coffee. They're full of moisture. They're full of acid. They're full of all kinds of bad junk that you got to get out of them before they can taste and smell good. Who does that remind you of? Everybody take your thumb and go, me! <laughs> right? Who does that remind you of? Yeah, before you came to Christ, man, you were a green coffee bean. You were a green coffee bean, man. You were full of acid, full of poison, full of just bitterness, full of just what? Man, you were just junk. You weren't good for, is this green coffee bean good for anything right now as it is? How many of y'all got a green coffee bean coffee cake recipe at home that your mom's been passed down for you? No, it's good for nothing until it goes to the next step. What's the next step that you have to do with this green coffee bean, y'all? You got to roast it. All right. So if you're a green coffee bean, Erica, are you ready to be roasted? <laughs> <laughs> roast me, God, roast me. But that's what salvation is. Salvation is God takes a plain old green coffee bean and decides he's going to roast it. And that's what salvation is. How many of y'all had to go through a tough time of heated pressure to come to Christ? Yeah, because in counseling they say until the pain to change is less than the pain to stay the same, you're not going to change. Until the pain to change is less than the pain to stay the same. So things get so tough in your life that you get sick of being your own boss and you say, Jesus, save me. I don't want to be my boss anymore. Save me. How many of y'all did that? The rest of y'all need to get saved. I'm just saying. <laughs> but literally, so God has to start roasting you. Did Brandon roast you? Uh, did God roast you, Brandon? Yeah, yeah. Brandon, aren't you glad I'm talking to that, Brandon? Yeah. And uh, so God had to roast you, man. He puts you in the fire. And man, you know, when I started roasting these, it, uh, I put it in a cast iron pot and I'd have it on some low heat and I'd just keep it moving, keeping it stirring, you know. And, and, and why do I keep it stirring so it doesn't what? Yeah, aren't you glad God kept you stirring? And some of y'all wouldn't listen, so he had to let you burn a little bit, right? And anyway, so he got it you get it roasting. And how many of y'all, man, when you start roasting it, now you're starting to smell something good, right? And the first thing is the first crack. Crack. You hear the crack, and now 
it's popped out some of the gases and some of the moisture and some of the acid. Some of the stuff that you don't want in your coffee it has now popped it out. But it took heat to do it. The same way God had to put heat in your life and persecution in your life and troubles and turmoil in your life to get you to be able to let Him roast you at salvation. And He roasted you. And you cracked the first time. And by the way, that's light roasted coffee which has the most caffeine. If you keep going, you get to the second crack, which is medium roasted. And if you really mess up and let it go, then you got dark roast. How many of y'all like dark roast? Like, ooh, it's so spicy. No, all that is is a mistake on the roaster's part. No, I'm just joking. But light roast, dude, that's the stuff that jacks you up, man. That's got the, co that's got the caffeine and all that. But man, so God roast you, and now you're a coffee bean. Dude, how many of y'all like coffee? Let me see your hand again. All right, you like coffee? Do you like those coffee beans? Is that what, is that the final product? Bob, hey Bob, man, Bob, it was a rough night, Bob, I'm really tired this morning. Bob, can you hook me up with some coffee? And he gives you a cup of beans. You okay with that? Cup of beans. No. So you're saved now, and the ultimate goal for your life is for Christ to be able to give the world a cup of himself. He's the cup of coffee. The ultimate goal is for Christ, for you to be able to give the world a cup of Christ. Does a cup of beans suffice? Does a cup of beans the end product? No. What do you got to do to the beans next, y'all? Oh, Andrew, what do you got to do to the beans next? Aren't you glad you sat on the second front row? What? What do you got to do to the beans now? You got to grind them. Was that your prayer this morning? Oh, God, I am not a green coffee bean. Thank you for saving me. Please grind me. Not this morning? All right, better. Yeah. How many of y'all prayed God would grind you today? What happens when you grind a coffee bean? Kim, what happens when you, you grind some coffee beans? What, what happens to the environment around the coffee beans? Whoo, it smells good. And, and how many of y'all like the smell of fresh ground coffee? Oh my goodness, it's so good, right? But you like the smell of fresh ground coffee? But so, so he could get you some fresh ground coffee, pours in a cup and hand you some fresh ground coffee. Anybody ever drank fresh ground coffee, cup of coffee? Just fresh ground coffee. I ain't talking about no water or nothing. I'm just saying, yeah, your mouth's covered with this coffee powder now. How refreshing is that? So maybe when God is grinding you up, first God has to roast you out of this world to make you a believer, but then He grinds you up. How many of y'all love that? You love that grinding process. No, but when you're ground as a believer, what does the world get to smell? Christ. They get to smell Christ, right? But how many of y'all, when you're getting ground up, you might be a little crabby at that point? <laughs> you, you might not be ready to be processed out into the world at that point, right? But God's grinding you. Why? Because He's getting you ready for the next step. Because the ultimate goal is to give the world a fresh cup of who? Christ. And we're not there yet. So if you're being ground right now, if God's grinding you right now, know the end product is that you're going to be a fresh cup of Christ if you stay in, the, stay in the process. And by the way, He's sovereign and He will make sure you stick in the process, but how long you get ground is kind of sometimes up to you, right? How many of y'all ever been ground a little longer and you thought you wanted to be ground because it was your fault? Yeah. If He's grinding you, let Him grind you. Let Him keep grinding. Man, when, 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 when you make espresso, dude, you grind it super fine because there's only going to be a little bit of water hitting it quick. When you make French press, you grind it really loose because it's going to just soak in it. 
And how long the coffee grounds get to soak in the water is up to God. But whatever the point is, is He's got to grind you. He grinds you. And the world starts smelling Christ when you get ground. You may not be ready to minister. You may not be able to be ready to tell people the story yet. You may not be able to process it, but you're being ground and it's part of the process. And, and the finer God's grinding you, man, the more pressure He's going to put through on that momentary next step to just get the flavor out. He knows how much pressure to put you under to get the flavor of Christ out. He's smart enough. He's omniscient. He knows everything. So he grinds you. And he grinds you up. And now we got ground coffee. Is that where we're at? What has to happen next? What has to happen next to the ground coffee? Al, you know anything about coffee, man? What? You love coffee. What has to happen next? You got powdered ground coffee. Yeah, what does brewing mean? Brewing sounds so, oh, God's brewing me. No. What is brewing? Oh my God. And in, in, in the little coffee-matic, instamatic coffee maker is the worst way to actually brew coffee because, man, all it's doing, here's what brewing is. Oh, God is brewing me. No, He is blasting you with boiling hot water. How many of y'all ever kick? Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me back in the day. I got blasted with some boiling hot water by God. How many of y'all can identify with that? Callie, you ever been blasted by God with some boiling hot water after he ground you? First of all, you were thinking you were a pretty good sport allowing him to ground you, right? You ground me up. Okay, God, now it's all going to be good. No, heck no. You're not a cup of coffee that I can give to people that's Christ. I now have to blast you with some hot water. Boiling hot water. And what is the purpose of the hot water on the ground coffee? It is to pull the flavor out. Oh, to pull the flavor. You put too much, your coffee's bitter, man. You don't put enough, your coffee's watery. Who is the best barista? I never thought I'd ever say that word coming out of my mouth. I'm a redneck, dude, but a barista. Who's the best barista in the universe? So you can trust him. To hit you with just the right amount of hot water to pull the flavor of Christ out. How many of y'all ever disagreed with that? <laughs> it's been a little too hot, a little too long. No, trust Him as the barista. Because once He hits it with hot water and He pulls the flavor of Christ out, now you get poured out. That's your whole purpose as a Christian is to be poured out. It's not so, oh, I can have peace, I can have joy, I can have love, and I can have patience, and I can have temper. No! In fact, the fruit tree. Who does the fruit tree grow fruit for? Sam. Sam and Spence. Who does the fruit tree grow fruit for? Someone else. Fruit trees don't eat their own fruit, right? And coffee, if you're ground up for Christ, you're not eating that. You get the byproduct of it. But you are now being roasted. You are now, that's your salvation. You are being ground up. And you are being brewed, which is getting hot boiling water poured all over you to pull out the flavor of Christ. Erica, can you identify with that just a little bit? Just a little bit. You, my friend, have already been a wonderful cup of coffee. Every one time you guys testify in here, all of y'all, at the beginning of the service, you guys are testifying how God has made you a beautiful cup of coffee. And now the purpose of the coffee isn't to drink yourself. That just don't even make sense. The purpose of you becoming a cup of coffee is so you can be poured out on who? Whoever he wants. What gives him the right to grind me? 
What gives him the right to brew me? What gives him the right to pour me out? Anybody want to answer that? Yeah, he's our creator. He saved us. And he's giving us glory. The more we allow ourselves to be more like Christ through that grinding and that brewing and that pouring out process, the more glory we will experience because that's how He's glorified and that's what glory is, is being like Christ. Who got ground up and poured on and poured out any more than Christ? And if that's what's going to bring glory to Christ, what's going to bring glory to you? by allowing Him through Christ to do the same thing. And so when it says in here, look at this, He says, wow, you sure have been uplifted. I like the Hades story better. I was crying, man. That was good. Now you're talking, I'm going to get ground. Because chances are, you are going to get ground up today. You are going to get brewed today. Poured all, water poured to leach it all out. You are going to get poured out on this. But look, this is what's going to kick off the next section. Look at verse 18. Paul says, this is all what's going to happen. April and Jeff, y'all ever been ground up, poured on, brewed out, and poured out on some? Yeah, but look what he says. This is why we keep going. This is why we harp on an eternal perspective of life. Because he says, Paul says, for I consider that the what? Of this present time. When I'm getting ground up, I'm getting poured on, and I'm getting poured out. This, that suffering that I'm experiencing right now of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. That's later. Amen? Later. And, and that's in heaven as an heir, co-heir with Christ. How awesome is that going to be? Are you going to be ground up anymore once we get to heaven? Man are, uh, man, are you guys looking forward to a new body? I mean, your bodies are pretty awesome, I'm just saying. But man, when you get like me, dude, are you looking forward to a new body? I'm just saying. In heaven, we'll have new bodies. There's no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more sickness. But whatever God has us going through right now is by His design to make us more like Him. And that is what brings Him glory. When Terry can be like God with his wife. Man, what a sweet thing. Dude, you know how many guys are over here thinking, God, I wish my wife would say something like that, man. Yeah, dude, man, that, that's cool. Who gets the glory for that? Uh, there's no doubt. I know your past. You were a knucklehead. It's God. Yeah. Just like every one of us. It's God. What a beautiful thing. So everything that comes in our life is by His design to make us more like Him. And when we react like Him because of His grace, when He grinds us up and we know it's for a purpose, it's so the world can get a beautiful cup of Christ. But again, you got to go from a green bean to being roasted. That's salvation. If you're there today and you don't know that you have Christ, but you know things are going pretty kind of rough right now, consider maybe God is roasting you right now. And if His purpose is to save you, he ain't going to quit roasting until you surrender your life to Him. Give your life to Him. But once you give your life to Him, it ain't a bed of roses. The more you become like Christ, the more the world hates you. And there's no fun in, being, in, in living a compromised life. There's no glory in that. It makes you sick. It makes you kind of pathetic to yourself when you do that. Go for it. Just 
go for it and ask him to grind you every day. Grind me and brew me so somebody can have a beautiful cup of Christ. Use me to make that happen today. He said, because I can, that's what Paul did, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are nothing worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in that. You see that to us? That word to in the Greek could mean in us. It can mean with us. It means through us. You know, it's already in you. Andrew, I've been picking on you. It's already in you. That glory that is going to be exposed in heaven is already in you. Right now when he grinds you, he's just trying to get some of it out and let some of it sow. But in heaven, all that glory that's already in us is going to be exposed. And we're all going to live. Man, Brandon, look at Brandon. Both of y'all, Brandon. Can you believe Brandon's going to be perfect? How far y'all got to go, man? I'm just saying, is that not a miracle? You're going to be perfect in heaven. That's glorious. That's what's going to happen. So, man, understand. I don't know. I come back from Haiti and I'm just like, God, why? Why do I have this and they don't? Why, God? God said, because I chose that. And I want you to take what, you, what I have given you and I want you to use it for my glory. Sometimes I think it'd be easier being there. Sometimes I think it's not. But the point is, is this is where I'm at. And this is what God has chosen to give me. And since he knows everything, there's no better place for me to be. So you're a green coffee bean, unless you got saved. How many of y'all are not a green coffee bean? He's roasted you and you've gotten saved. You know that, right? But he's continually going to grind you. So the aroma of Christ will come out in your life. And then he's got to brew it so you can hand them a beautiful, aromatic cup of Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Father, um, thank you so much for everything that you put together today. This is exactly what everyone here was supposed to hear. So, Father, we've, we've heard the explanation. We've seen the illustration. And now help us, Father, to put together the application through your Holy Spirit. You live in us. You allowed us to be a part of this. I pray, Father, that we would continue our intimate walk with you by asking you what you want us to do with this, any part of it, and we would actually do it through your grace. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit. And if we walk in the Spirit, it's impossible to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So, Father, help us ask you what you want us to do and help us to do it. We already know that helps there. And I pray for these things.